Good day. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and this is the DBSA podcast. And that's as long as I can sustain the Aussie accent. Greetings from Australia. In this podcast, I sit down with Sarah Fairhall and Carol George from Penguin Australia's digital first romance imprint, Destiny. We talk about books they love, books they're excited about, and that feeling when you read a book and you're just having a really good time, and how awesome that is. Intermix, the sponsor of this here podcast, would like you to know about My Cowboy Heart, a hot new romance about life on a ranch by Z.A. Maxfield. My Cowboy Heart tells the story of a solitary New Mexico ranch foreman, Jefe Malloy, and his newest ranch hand, the charismatic, engaging, and sexy Crispin Carrasco. You can find out if fire and ice really mix with My Cowboy Heart, available where ebooks are sold. And now, on with the podcast. So would you tell the nice people who you are and what you do and where you work? I'm Sarah Fairhall and I'm a commissioning editor at Penguin Books in Australia and I work mostly on romance. Oh, we like romance. (laughs) So do I. Um, And my major focus for the last two years has been um, establishing Destiny Romance, which is our digital first imprint. Digital first, Australian. Yes. Is it mostly Australian set or is it everywhere? Uh, Settings vary. uh, There's a lot of Australian settings in what we've published so far, but there's no requirement that they be Australian settings and Australian readers do seem to like the exotic European destinations as well so well, who doesn't? we have quite a few trips to Italy um, but the authors so far are all Australian. Very cool. So what was the first romance you ever read? It was Georgette Hare. It was A Quiet Gentleman Ooh. which I followed up immediately with Regency Buck and I think it was Regency Buck that got me. That was the dr- that was it? That was the hook and it was because I was crossing the Nullarbor, which is a desert in Australia, yeah. on a road trip with my family. I was about 11. Oh, I ran out of books. It takes like three days to drive across it. And I ran out of reading material and my mother in desperation gave me her Georgette Hayes and, and that was it. <laughs> it is amazing how many romance readers have inherited their romance reading from a female relative. Yeah. Like this is really a very much a literary inheritance yeah, for a lot of readers. It is. And it's interesting because mum is, I would not class her as a romance reader generally. She loves Georgette Hayes, but not doesn't read romance otherwise otherwise she'd want a crime mystery reader but she got the love of Georgette Hare from her father so my my pop was a big Georgette Hare fan and he just he thought they were incredibly funny they are very funny Uh, yeah I agree she (laughs) she has wonderful comic timing yeah yeah he just thought the dialogue was so witty and and he read them and loved them and kind of yeah so three generations now one thing I've noticed with especially with Australian readers is the number of readers who say well I don't read romance oh but I do like Georgette Hare exactly Georgette Hare may be what you have in common yeah yeah. That's the one that people are more familiar with. I think so. And then if you want to make fun of them, it's, oh, Mills and Boone. Yeah. But you don't ever make fun of Georgette Hare. No. You no, would never mock Georgette Hare. She gets sort of classed in a more literary, Austin-esque yeah. kind of way, yes. I think. And I think partly that's just because she's, you know, they're older books. Yes, people and she's have, dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It helps when you're dead. Yeah. You, people take you more seriously. I think so. <laughs> it's like that artist thing. Yeah, it's totally yeah. true. So what are some books that you've worked on that were completely awesome and you would like everyone to know about? Pimp at Will. Oh, well, that's hard. Yeah, they're all my favorites. Um, the current book that I think is totally awesome is Untamed by Anna Cowan. Um, and that came out in May in ebook, and the print edition is out next week um, in Australia, which is very exciting. And it's, it's kind of bold and risky and, and full of passion, but it's perhaps not for everybody. It's very different. Um, you mean because there's a cross-dressing duke? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> kind of one of the clues. Yeah. Uh, very unconventional heroine. The, very writing, unconventional the writing is amazing. Exactly. The, the writing language is, is just exquisite. She's a very, very powerful writer and she has such a strong voice, I think. Yes. And, um, I think she's a real talent. So I can't wait to see what she does next, but Untamed is one that I'm 
very, very excited about. And the reaction has been amazing too. I mean, the, the views of readers are totally opposite. You, know, you oh, either yeah. love it or you hate it. There's not many people in the middle. That's actually a really good way to, 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 to come out. Like if you're going to publish a yeah. book that's sort of like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Hi, come on in. Come sit. Come okay. sit, come sit. We're doing our quick miniature podcast recording for me. Okay. So if you would please introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Carol George, and I work for Sarah Fairhall, and we're the team behind Destiny Romance. So it's just you two. It's just us two. Wait, I didn't know that. Destiny is just you guys? Yeah. All those books? Yeah. Was just you? Yeah. So you don't sleep? That's right. <laughs> That's essentially That's right. why all the coffee is espresso in Australia. It's because <laughs> of you. The red eyes. Yes. The bags. And I don't think why. people in America know that. Like when you have coffee in Australia, it's espresso with a bunch of other stuff. Drip coffee out of a percolator, they like start to curl their lips in Australia. So, yeah. the, so the espresso and the caffeine is, fun, is, is fueling you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And you know why that, and you know why that is? Because why? we're a nation of migrants and we had huge Italian communities move here. So you had. And they've given us the tradition you know, of only coffee. liking good, strong Italian coffee. You know, that's a really good tradition. Yeah. That, that's a tradition I can support. Yeah. So Sarah was just telling me about some of the books that she loves, and she loves Untamed, and how it was an interesting thing for readers because they either loved it or they didn't like it at all. There was no one who looked at the book and read it and went, meh, it was all right. Like, it's either going to send you into raptures or it's going to make you like, oh, I really don't like that. Did it do the same for you? I obsessed. You obsessed with it? I got it, and I started reading it, and I stopped answering my emails, and I didn't call Sarah very often because we work separately, Sydney, Melbourne offices, and we usually talk half the day on the phone because yep. it's a total collaboration between us. I just could not do anything but read this book. About 11 a.m. in the morning, I rang Sarah and said, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And she said, well, what's happened? I went... This book, this book is amazing. Hung up, went back, read it. I finished it. That night, my husband said, okay, I can see what's happening. Don't worry. I'll do the dinner. I'll look after the cats. I'll do the whole thing. Just keep reading. Mm -hmm. uh, finished it next morning. And, uh, yeah, it was just kind of like, it was almost like a liquid pool on the floor. Eyes, you know? <laughs> it melted my bones, that book. Oh, wow. <laughs> that should be a cover quote. Melted editorial bones. Made us all yeah. sloppy on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very long cover quote because Anne Gracie, um, yeah, gave you a wonderful quote. Gracie gave us this wonderful quote and it was just so wonderful I couldn't cut any of it. So. Oh, no, you used the whole thing. <laughs> I just used the whole used thing. You used the whole thing. <laughs> oh, wow. Absolutely. Wow. So what was the first romance you read? What's got you started on reading romance? Are you, have you always been a romance reader? No, I come from a bit of a different reading background to Sarah. Um, I've often loved, I guess women's commercial fiction, yeah. but I've always loved them with strong love stories. So something right. like The Time Traveller's Wife, mm -hmm. you know, books like that. Mm -hmm. um, I always love, I love books that make me cry and I love books that make me oh, just go, oh, That's good it. book noise. <gasps> <gasps> oh, I love that book. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so I've only really been reading more specifically romance since I've come on board with Sarah to create Destiny, and um, I love them. Oh, <laughs> They've made good. me happy. You know, when I was at the Romance Writers of Australia, the first morning, I think it was, you could, I got there on a Thursday, and I think you could register Thursday, and then Friday I sat down with somebody before I, I had breakfast, and somebody was sitting at an adjacent table, and they were like, I'm so knackered. Yeah, I'm so. I'm like, we were like, what's wrong? I stayed up all night reading that book in the bag, that book from that book from Destiny, The Untamed. I stayed. I started to read it. I thought, oh, I'll just take a look at a few pages. And she said, I was up all night. I finished it about an hour ago. Like she hit the bags, <laughs> but she was relaxed. It's just music like, to our ears. Was, <laughs> she, she, 
And she's a writer. She's like, I don't need to stay up all night for an industry conference. She's like, I could not stop reading it. It was just amazing. And she had that sort of happy hangover. Yes. So I think that's the thing I think that only readers understand. If you drink too much and you're hungover the next morning, hangovers are, are miserable. If you yeah. read up, stay up all night reading, you're tired, yeah. but it's a nice yeah. hangover. Absolutely. I had one on, on Monday morning after the conference because I stayed up too late reading What Happened in London by Julia Quinn. And oh, I didn't start did you until like about it? 11 and I read until I finished it. <laughs> she was like, oh. she's a zombie the next day. Yeah. happy zombie. But, yeah. but see, when you work in publishing, yeah. if you're like, oh, I'm really tired. I stayed up all night finishing book. No one's going to be like, why did you do that? Like everyone's yeah. going to be like, I understand. Exactly. We still have to go to a conference call though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So what's coming up from Destiny that you're really excited about? What's happening soon? We just had two new books released last week. So one was a rural, ro rural romance, which is very, very popular in Australia at the moment. So, so that's like outback, outback romance. Yes. And that's like way out in the bush. Yeah. There's like one bush. Yeah. Yeah, one or, you know, deserty kind of Last gas for yeah. 300 yeah. kilometers. So yeah, the setting exactly kind right. of plays that is almost a minor character in yeah. the book. Yeah. I love but books like that. harsh environments and yeah, life on the land. Skies so it's like lots of wild west romance. Yeah, exactly. Very, exactly. Very Except Aussie bullshit yeah. instead. Yeah. Well, the um, thing is, you know, everything that's in Australia that's alive that's not a human is trying to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, except I was watching a show about grizzly bears the other night thinking, oh, well, thank God we don't have any of those. Yes, but in our country, it's just the weather is trying to kill us. <laughs> yeah. We only get cats in our garbage tins. <laughs> Oh, we get all this footage over here of grizzly bears. Grizzlies in the garbage. Yeah. They just want your trash. Like if you're between yeah. the mom and the baby, that's a problem because yeah. mom will get pissed. Yeah. But really, if you just leave the pizza box in the trash, fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Last thing you want is a moose. They will charge you. The moose really? will charge at you. Yeah, okay. they don't mess around. Our biggest okay. problem is snakes and spiders. I mean, other than yeah, that, other than that, bad. they don't eat you. They might bite you, but they don't eat I you. I know somebody told me that drop bears weren't real, but I know that was but. a lie, and I know that they're real. <laughs> I told my husband, do not tell the kids we about drop bears. No, they will they never will sleep. They will freak ever. them. It will freak them yeah. out. Don't tell them. <laughs> so we were talking earlier about the different formats because in America we have mass market paperback and trade and hardcover. Yeah. But here in Australia, most romance, if you want to get put in a big store like like a Target, Target mm -hmm. or a store where a lot of people might pick up a book and a lot of other things, you have to be in, is it trade or is it bigger than trade? It's uh, bigger than trade, right? Well, I think uh, you have all three sizes, sizes. Yeah, we have three main sizes and they're all, I think, apart from mass market, yes. they're slightly different to yours. Yeah. So what we call our B format, I think is your trade. It's closer to your trade. Your trade is mm -hmm. what we call B plus because it's somewhere in between our yeah. B and our C. we're B plus. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It's right, we get a B plus. So it's slightly like a, bigger it's than trade. Like extra inch It's like a little bigger yeah. on both sides. So it's not like it's tall and skinny. It's actually a little bit wider yeah. and taller trade. So the your your B your trade is, is a little bit bigger than your trade than our B, and yeah. then our trade paperback is bigger than your B plus. So our so your trade paperback is almost the size of a hardcover. It is. It just doesn't have the hardcover. So yeah. it doesn't, it is a hardcover size. Yeah. So the hardcover like it comes out a few millimeters. Well. I understand millimeters. Yeah, okay. That's so all right. I'm on there. Two millimeters yeah. further around the edge because it's got that cover on it. Right. Yeah. So ours is the same size as the paper within a hardcover. It's just with not a, a paper cover. cover. Yeah. yeah. And what do those retail for? The C size. It can vary, but generally about twenty nine ninety nine. And a hardcover here is about fifty dollars. It depends on whether it's fiction or autobiography mm. or all of those non-fiction yeah. and who the author is. So yeah, it varies exactly. a bit. It does vary. So sometimes you get them for forty, forty to fifty. 50. So a hardcover yeah, forty to fifty. Forty to fifty. Yeah. And the C size, which is hardcover paper with a soft cover, yeah. that's about twenty-five. 
Yeah, well, you'd probably you'd probably pay twenty in in the store. The RRP might be twenty nine ninety nine, right. but you'd probably pay around twenty in the shop. And mm. then the B format, which is slightly smaller than yeah. our trade, that'd be more like sixteen ninety nine. That's sixteen ninety nine. Yeah. So for us, a trade, the, I think the retail price of a trade could be like fourteen to sixteen ninety nine. We get them for like nine or ten. Yeah. Right. And then mass market for us is five to six ninety nine, maybe seven ninety nine for a yeah. brand new author that's really a big name. Yeah. And you don't really have mass market except we when it gets brought in from if the we states. Do, it's about twelve ninety nine, but we really, really. Would have well, we were in Dimmix today, and the sale books were eight dollars. I was like, yeah. "That's regular price oh. <laughs> for me." Sorry. Yeah. But E has been good because E gives us the opportunity to price romance at a price that you know. So what are overseas your readers? Right, are it'll be interesting. Used in. to, yeah, and you so have global rights with your E, so yes, you can distribute everywhere. That's very important. Yes. that's a good thing to start with. Yeah. Yes. So destiny so, books kind of range between two ninety nine and four ninety nine, and that is a very good price yeah. for yeah. digital readers. Yeah. yeah. And so have you been able to sort of demonstrate success with those prices? Well, we have. Mm. We and have indeed, and also we've had some price promotions as well. So yeah, we do that as ninety nine cents. Yeah. Going on. Will you tell me? If there's a price promotion, so I can put it on my site, sure. please. Because I like when that happens. Yeah. So yeah. All my readers. Like yeah. 99 cents, I'll try anything for 99 yeah, cents. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a cross dressing <laughs> sheep station owner. Just imagine in the, the fun bush. you could have with a title if you had a cross dressing sheep station owner. Cross dressing yes. daughter. Bush. Yes. 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 He really does have a book. Secret baby. Yeah. She's Shearer's daughter's virgin. Yeah. <laughs> Shearer virgin daughter. Yeah. yeah. I think you've discovered a whole new line of destiny. <laughs> For 99 cents, I think a lot of readers will try. I mean, I, yeah. this week I featured an anthology that was three short stories for $1.99, and people were saying, you know, the other two short stories are okay, but there's one by Loretta Chase, and it is exquisite. So people will pay $2 yeah. for one novella. Right. And then they'll buy and buy all her other books if they hadn't read her before. Yes. yes. And she has books at a lot of different price points because she's self-published some of her classic regencies. Avon promote, does price promotions. I mean, they price Lord of Scoundrels. I think it was a dollar ninety nine or ninety nine cents. Yeah. Lord of Scoundrels is a very old book, but mm. so many people bought it. Yeah. It hit the Times like fifteen years after it was released, just yeah. because it had been promotioned as an yeah. ebook. I only yeah. read that for the first time recently. And Isn't I it amazing? It. Yeah. It's I'm one of those. Give you my copy. Yes, <laughs> oh, it's a conversion book. It'll yeah. bring you into romance. Like there are a lot of people who are like, wait, there's more like yes. this. And what's special about it? Oh. Language. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you ever read Georgette Heyer? Yes, I have read Georgette. Like Devil's yes. Cub and These Old Shades. It's very much like that. It is a okay. heroine who does not take the hero shit at all. Yes. Okay. Gives it right back. I think that's what makes it stand out. But okay. it starts out with you learning about why the hero is the way he is, so you have a lot of empathy for him, but okay. he's still a bastard. Okay. <laughs> and she has okay. to unbastardize him. And some okay. of the things she does to him are really quite remarkable. She, she <laughs> does some amazing things to him. Uh-huh. And you think, oh my God, that's it. He's going to lose his mind now. And there are moments where you think, I don't see how they can come back from this. Yeah, he's never going to forgive her. No, no, he did. They do. But (laughs) it's really a beautiful book. Uh And there's another one called The Devil's Delilah, which is a classic Regency that she did. It's so good because it is one of, you know, like a beta hero? Yes. Quiet, shy. Maybe not even shy, but just not the guy who's like, I'm the biggest man in the room. Mm -hmm. The beta hero in this book is exquisite because he's very quietly present in every scene and you don't know that he's the hero until nearly three quarters from the book and then Ah. you're like, oh my God, you have to end up with him because he's amazing. (laughs) You realize that all along he's been set up to be the hero, but you don't see it. Oh, I love that. Because there are very overt heroes who are very charming and try to, you know, charm the heroine and, and get her attention or very, you know, let's go for a drive, let's go do this. And so 
you think that they're the hero because they're doing the standard courtship. And then you yeah. see him sort of sneak in and you're like, oh, 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 go, go with him. Go with him. No, really. He's awesome. You want him. Go with him. Seriously. No, 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 no. Go with him. Oh, The Devil's Delilah is wonderful. And she self-published it so she can play with the price as much oh. as she and wants. And see, I love it. I'm predictable like that. I mean, that's just like we, we often we get asked, so what are we looking for? What do we want? And that's one of the things we always say. Yeah. But we know there's got to be the happy ending. We want that. We, that has to be there. But we want to really love that journey yes, as yes. we go. And it's got to take a twist or a turn up to something totally unpredictable that you hadn't even thought was going to happen for so a second. So it keeps you reading. Abs oh, absolutely. Like you, that could be your whole tagline, Destiny. Keeps you up all we night. We even keep authors up all night. <laughs> 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 all all night. authors. Like, I remember that. <laughs> if I can remember which author it was, if I can remember who it was and put a name with her, I'll tell her to get in touch with you. She could yeah. be like, I was so tired. <laughs> she was. Anyway. So you produce. also do contemporary. Yes. And all of your contemporaries that I've seen are Australian set. They, they tend to migrate to other parts of the world. Yeah, yes. there's usually an Australian there's, there's connection. Yeah, yeah, there's always an Australian connection. But, you or... know, we, I mean, we do love to go to Venice and Rome and we do, you know, we do love to go to some nice places and spend some time there. But some yeah. of our contemporaries are also set here as yeah. well, yeah. Um, in cities here. Um, so, yeah, so it's a mix of glamorous destinations and very Australian settings. We, we go Australian, to both in contemporary. And Australian readers want to read about Australian people. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things I've found I've noticed is that in the States, there's not as much of a travel culture as there is in Australia. Like, yeah. Australians are like, oh, yeah, yeah I was in big. Fiji last year. <laughs> oh, my God. I went to Europe, you know, like you do. Like, there was a family who I met on Rottnest Island, and they were um, the two brothers, the older gentleman in the family, were one was British, one was Australian, and they go visit each other for seven weeks. Of the year. Of the week, of the year. Wow. Like, they'll come one, one summer break, one winter break. They'll mm -hmm. take a seven-week vacation and visit one another and mm -hmm. all the cousins, and it's like a, every other year there's a big family reunion. So they've been all over Europe, they've been all over Australia, and they were like, yeah, we've never been to the States. And I was like, well, you know, there's a lot to see in seven weeks. You can get a trip out of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge travel culture here, people. Yeah, here. because we're at the other end of the earth. Yeah. Yes, everything is a travel. Yeah. And so we have, have a massive go. curiosity about, you I mean, know. You could go to New Zealand, but. Yeah, you could. And New Zealand but is beautiful. You don't. It's beautiful. It is. Yeah. It's, it yeah. is stunning. But I think we're more, maybe more it, interested. But it feels more like you're going not overseas. Right. Like you're not traveling because yeah. it's yeah. so close. Totally. Whereas I think we have a bit of a sense of cultural isolation yeah. here. Yeah. And that makes us want to put on our backpacks and go travel. So that's why a lot of the books have travel. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So how long have you worked in publishing? I'm a newbie. I've only been in publishing three years. I've That's all? Yeah. Wow, you know a lot of stuff for having been in for three years. I um, kind of did an apprenticeship in a way. I was a journalist mm -hmm. all my life. Um, and towards the end, probably the last decade of my career, I worked for a big women's magazine here. And I did all their book pages and all their author interviews and found myself getting closer gradually and gradually to the publishing industry and uh, when a few things changed at the magazine Penguin popped up and offered to take me on in marketing and publicity but for me to learn like across all departments mm -hmm. uh, so I often joke I was the oldest apprenticeship in Australia yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that's what I did and then um, yeah, I'd been here like I suppose a year and a half, 
And Sarah and I mm, developed a friendship, got talking about books, got talking about ebooks, mm-hmm. and just and romance. And then we decided that this would be a great idea to bowl up and give us an opportunity to do something really great, really exciting. That would be our baby, even though it's like under the penguin umbrella. We'd be like a little startup here. So you and Sarah created. Destiny Romance. It was your idea, your proposal. Were you nervous that when you pitched the entire concept that it wasn't going to go off the ground? Or did you have a sense that people were like, "Mm, I'll give it a shot? I thought the timing was right. Yeah. I thought it was a kind of hard idea to resist given everything. It's really scary. It's really scary. But before we went into the boardroom to pitch it to everyone, I thought I was going to need an oxygen tank. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't breathe. I really couldn't breathe. Uh, We did a joint presentation. We had a business plan. We'd been to a million workshops. We'd been to a whole lot of conferences. We'd put together this plan. Um, So we put a lot of work into it, and there was a lot riding on it. But you know what? At the end, we and and then I relaxed once I got in, and when we started, and I suddenly got this feeling about two minutes into it, they've already decided to go ahead with this. I can see in their faces. I just knew it was like we had to go through the presentation because we had to, because that's what you have to do if you're going to bowl up an idea in which a company's going to invest money in. Um, but I just got this feeling, and I just tweaked it, and I just thought, Phew, and I could breathe then. Mm-hmm. And we just floated through the presentation, went really well. They asked a few questions, good questions, I thought. Um, yeah, CEO asked us how many books a month we were going to publish, and how many do you think we could do, and a few basic fundamentals. And then... Um, after that, basically, she just said, oh, I think it's a fantastic idea and congratulations on your presentation. And we were like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> and that was it, like that. They said yes to it. That's, that's a really challenging thing for a corporation to do, too, because it's not easy to start a new department, a new imprint, a new division, and create new titles, and who do you report to, and what level are you at? I mean, that's, that's a very big amount of change for a company. It's not like, you know, you're rolled up in a garage and we're like, let's make books. You were already within an existing corporate structure. Well, exactly. And we're, not only that, we were taking that, you know, different as different departments within that corporate structure into a whole kind of brave new world in a yeah. way. Uh, that was the other thing. So a lot of people had heard about digital publishing but didn't know a lot about it. Uh, so, yeah, there was the whole idea, you know, of, the, of having ebook covers. So it was a challenge for the design department. We wanted our own dedicated website. So mm-hmm. that was a whole other design question. Um, and I think as passionate as we were about it and as much work as we did on it before we began, Sarah and I really learned on the job as we went. We really learned. I mean, we looked at what everyone else was doing. Of course, we did our homework. But really, I think a lot of it, we just decided as we went and hoped follow our gut instinct and hope that it would be okay. So what what are your favorite novels to recommend to people? If someone says, well, I want to try a romance or I want to try a book, what are the romances that you're particularly passionate about? And if you have novels that you're passionate about that aren't romance, please tell us about those too. Okay. So I love The Time Traveler's Wife. American author, yes. Audrey Niffenegger. I loved that book. I am so not a time-travelling person. I'm so I'm not a fantasy sci-fi fan. It's not mm-hmm. my first or favourite genre. 
but I thought that book had such cool dialogue. I love the relationship between them. I love the whole concept behind it. Mm-hmm. And even though it did not have a happy ending, I hope I'm not doing a spoiler. It's a well-known book now. Yeah, I think you can. Um, I don't think you have to spoil it. I broke my heart over hey. the loss of that hero. I of just course. broke my heart, and I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed, and then felt quite cleansed and good about it. But yeah, oh, I that's loved an ugly it. cry I, book. That was totally an ugly. It cry was. Book. I championed that book though at the magazine I worked for. I I really fell in love with it, and it was the thing I. That's a good book. So that was a good book. Um, I think I'd have to say that um, Marion Keyes has been a long time kind of hero of mine um, because I love her flawed characters. I love the fact that you dip in there and you expect this light comic wrong and it's and it's not she has so much darkness in her plots and there's so much intense emotion and so many emotional layers oh absolutely so many emotional layers and yeah and it's unpredictable it's um and she she takes you she can take you in a matter of page you know from one page to another from comedy to absolute tragedy mm-hmm. and i love that spiraling nature of it i love that and as we've said before i mean i, I mentioned it before um, the rawness of Untamed. I love raw writing. I love it when it feels really raw, when the emotions are savage yes. and intense. That's one of my favorite things. I, I think that's something that um, readers of self-published books really appreciate when an author can write down emotion. And like I said, they are willing to forgive many, many structural errors if they can get genuine emotion out of the writing. It's very hard to write down emotion. It's not something that everyone has. I'm an Eloisa James fan. Uh, I love her books. I remember the first one I read when I was reviewing books for this magazine and in the review I wrote, this is as good as a night out at the movies with a box of chocolates. Whoa. That's what I read. That's like a whole new level of A. Yeah, Yeah, it was. That's what it was like to me. It was such a pleasure and it was so much fun and I was having such a good time while I was reading it. I didn't want to do anything else. Isn't that the best feeling when you're reading a book and you're really you're having a really good time reading it? Like this is actually fun and I'm just sitting here. I love that feeling. Uh-huh. There's a couple of upcoming uh, t- Destiny titles. Uh, Spotlight on Love is a lovely romp that gave me that real feeling of pleasure. It is like, oh this my god, fun. I love this. I love it. Yeah. And um, another one is. Playing by the Rules has a similar feel to it that reminds me of that pure pleasure of Eloisa James where it's witty, it's funny, you love the characters. You're just so enjoying being in there. It's like being in a warm blankie or something and being cuddled. Yeah. Yeah. I did not realize that you guys were the creative behind (laughs) Destiny. I thought somebody was like, let's do a digital publishing wing. Here, Uh, you do it. uh, It was actually you who said, let's do the digital publishing thing. That's amazing. (laughs) I did not know that. And that's amazing. Okay. We were, yeah, in hindsight, crazy enough to put our hands up and suggest it. But, uh... Yeah, it's good because it's, it's, it gives us a vested interest in a way too because not only do we want to make it a success for our authors and for the company, it's like we've got a personal stake in making this work. You yes, know? and we, it's something that you're passionate about so it's not absolutely. always all work. Yeah, well, most of the time it's really good fun. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of, yeah, we we have have a lot of laughs. Yeah, we do. We laugh a lot together. Sometimes we cry. Yeah. <laughs> but mostly we laugh. Um, And it's interesting that we are different ages, Mm -hmm. we're different backgrounds, 
in some ways we have different interests in books. We have pretty much absolutely completely opposite taste in everything except for romance. Yes. Films, food, men. Yeah. (laughs) It's quite amazing. Yeah, you know what? We and we never ever disagree on Amanda's like ever. Like we'll both read and go, okay, so what did you think? And I'll go, you know what? I thought it fell apart at blah blah blah. And she'll say, Yes, it did. That's exactly where I hated it too. Or (laughs) vice versa. Sarah will say, I just didn't think she was likeable and we've got to, you know, have a vested interest in liking the heroine and blah, blah, blah. And I'll go, I couldn't stand her. We find we feel exactly the same way about weaknesses and strengths in writers' books. That's fascinating because when I do the podcast with Jane, we never agree on books. Like, we'll have whole episodes where we argue with each other about whether or not a book was any good. It was awesome. No, it wasn't. What are you talking about? (laughs) I thought the heroine, no, she did not, you know. We'll argue for a good 20, 25 minutes about books because we very, very rarely agree, but we both have the same opinion on what makes a good romance novel and we admire the same strengths in writing. Our tastes are completely not aligned. So the fact that your tastes align is a good yes, thing. But just in this one area. Yes. We have, <laughs> the, we, I have a, a little struggle sometimes with um, fantasy paranormal. So I don't get the same pleasure out of reading fantasy paranormal that Sarah does. I still can't get my head around shape-shifting wolves. I still... <laughs> and I know it's all about the alpha male and the pack and all those things. Sarah has really pulled it apart for me and explained <laughs> what it really all symbolises. Yes, my right. one day said to me, I just can't get past the doggy breath. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a legitimate concern. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong, because it is a legitimate concern, all that doggy breath. I tend to think of shapeshifters, especially the wolf shifter books, as about rage and anger and and, um, overwhelming passion, because they're allowed to have an emotionally and physically out of control part of themselves. It's part of the character and it's acceptable. Whereas we are not allowed to have out of control emotions and out of control passions. And they are. So I think a lot of the time I like them because they're an exploration of passion and rage. I also think vampire romances a lot of the time are our negotiating death and how we feel about death and birth and things like that. But I like shifter romances because they're, I think a lot of the time they're about rage. I totally get the dog breath thing though. (laughs) Totally get it. So Sarah, I have a question for you. What are the books that you most recommend to people, the ones that you're the most passionate and you love to talk about? Like, you'd love to convince more people to read? Well, when people ask me about romance, I nearly always start with Venetia, don't I? Yes, you do. I, oh, I Venetia. just adore Venetia. And I'm not even sure that it's my absolute favourite Georgia hair, but it it's certainly in my top but five, and it seems one to be the one of the I always pass best on. best heroes, too. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a dishonourable hero trying to be honourable. Exactly, exactly. So I find Venetia one that I recommend a lot. I do, I recommend um, Devil's Bride. Oh, yes. Um, for me, you know, as an Australian author writing historical, quite often I do Stephanie Lawrence and that one is one. That, that was probably one of my first introductions to, you know, the modern historical romance. Um, Stephanie Lawrence. Stephanie Lawrence and, you know, the original Barsinster was probably the Devil's first. Bride. Yeah, I think Devil's Bride's number one, yeah. Um, yes, Devil's Bride is the first one. Yeah, so that's the one that, but it's probably my favourite. 
Um, I did like Harry, I can't remember what that one's called, but with the horses because I am a horsey girl at heart. And I think they'll just bite you and kick at you, so it's another example. Fine, you can have all the horses. Uh, So that one comes up. I loved The Iron Duke by Mildred Brooke. That was one of my favourite books of that year. And Dragonbound by Thea Harrison? Thea, Thea. Um, those two books I think came out roughly around the same time or sort of in the same year anyway and I raved about those. What's your Anne Gracie favourite? Do you have a favourite Anne Gracie? I love um, Perfect Drake, yeah. one of my favourite Anne Gracies, but I really liked, I mean I love all Anne Gracie really. Um, and I also loved Scandal's Daughter by Christine Wells, um, who's now writing as Christina Rook, um, and all her books as well are fabulous. But I think other paranormal. Oh, I I did go through a Black Dagger Brotherhood phase. I don't know many people who did not. No. I think everyone took a sample of that crack at one point or another. Pretty much everyone. Yeah. Because it's crack. No. So I still read each new one when that comes out. Did you love Twilight? I did. The first time I read Twilight, I read, I came home from work and read book one. Um, the next day I went to Borders, which was still open at the time, bought it in my lunch break, went home and read book two. And then on the third day, I rang my phone and cancelled my plans and pretended I was sick so I could go home and read Eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> which so you were basically, <laughs> so now you are mainlining Twilight series. Yeah, well, I did, I did the three of them. Um, and book four at that stage wasn't out and I did the three and then I instantly started Twilight again mm-hmm. um, and it was it was just the emo- like something about the writing down all the emotion the emotion in it that yeah. I was hooked on it was um, so intense you but then I've never been more disappointed in a book than I was by book four ah, I didn't really? get four I just remember him glistening in the sunlight yeah see that didn't bother me I, could, I, I, finally, love, I loved it though yeah. I loved it because yeah. I thought it was like it was made of granite and um, I thought I, the meadow was romantic. Oh, it was I had beautiful. No issue with that. It was beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, sparkly. But I yeah was crushed by the floor. What didn't you and like about it? And I didn't embrace it. the films at all. Um, well, I had great difficulty getting past Renée's May. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that as a name. Um, I what else didn't I like? Sorry, it's been a while. Um, I didn't like, it was a lot of kind of bow tying at the end and you know, Jacob imprinting on the baby. I just thought, oh, that was really skeezy. Um, I thought that was very skeezy. She just kind of forgot her parents existed when she became a vampire. You know, there was all sorts of things that just for me. Didn't. I think for a lot of readers, she broke the rules of her world to end the book and that yeah. made them a lot of, that made a lot of them very disappointed. Yeah. I didn't even like her becoming a vampire. I didn't want that. Oh, the whole happen. pregnancy, I, did, I hated the pregnancy. Yeah. Although it was funny because I had friends who were, because, you know, most of my friends were hooked on it too. I had friends who were pregnant at the time and they had no issue with the, the baby sucking the life out of her from inside. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I had real problems with that. So even to this day, I will, because I reread everything um, that I've enjoyed and so I will reread books one to three but I have never got new book four again. No, I just pretend it chops off. You just pretend three. it didn't happen? Yeah. We'll just pretend that never happened. Were you too, were you too young for the Anne Rice series? Which was the first very successful vampire. Interview with a Vampire... I read at least, I'm 38, so I read it at least eight or nine years after it came out until yeah. I was much older. So I, could I loved him, Lestat. Mm-hmm. I loved him. I loved. I was around for the movie. 
Vision. That okay. was not as good as no, the book. As Very good. rarely the are book. they. You would love the good. book. I haven't read the book. Yeah, oh. even if you just read the first one, it's it's a, yeah, it's, it's pretty very, impressive. Yeah, it is. Very well done. So when I have one more question for you, one author that all of the Australian authors have mentioned, and you mentioned as well as Anne Gracie, and I think that she's now just starting to be discovered in the states. She was nominated for a Rita this year, and she's been published in the states. But this is this is the first year that I have heard about her nearly every month from one person or another, which I think is really cool. But among Australian readers, she's a longtime favorite. Yeah. And she has a backlist that most people are very familiar with. And they talk about Anne Gracie the same way they talk about Julia Quinn or they, the same way they talk about Teresa Medeiros. What Anne Gracie books would you recommend for people who are listening to the podcast who are fans of historical romance? Which ones would you recommend? Absolutely perfect, Rick. The Perfect Rake? Yeah, The Perfect Rake is, is my absolute favorite. Is it because of the hero? I just think what Anne Gracie does really, I mean, her writing is lovely. She's so good at, I mean, the hero and the heroine are always fabulous. In that case, the hero is, you know, the rake. Dreamy <laughs> and a rake. <laughs> what more could you ask for? But I think she weaves in all her secondary characters so beautifully. You, know, you get a real sense of friendship or family or whatever the individual plot of each book might be. She she does a really fabulous job of making you really love and care about everybody, not just mm-hmm. the hero and heroine. Well, of course, it is always a completely wonderful romance. She just does something. She more. just does something more. Um, and Perfect Rake is definitely my favourite of them, but I've I've enjoyed all of them. I think you said you read Bribe by Mistake. Yes. And that was that's the Spanish set. Yes. Which is a little bit different from most of her others. Um, the one before that was also really lovely. That was, I think, the accidental wedding, accidental bride, accidental bride, accidental I bride. Think I, think I did not know when I read um, the accidental bride that and Gracie was Australian. Like I did know, oh, I had yeah. not really encountered her writing before. Oh, I like that book. Yeah, it was I, lovely. It, it was, was really lovely. Really powerful. So really, um, really well done. If you have not read Anne Gracie before, I would. I would start with Perfect Rate, but I would read all of them. Read all of them? Yeah. So she's the, I don't think there are any... she's the Australian historical romance treasure that everyone needs to know about She now. is definitely the Australian historical romance treasure, and she's not just a treasure in terms of her books and her writing, but she's a treasure in terms of what she does for romance in this country. Yes, she, she does an enormous she's... amount. She supports a lot of other mm-hmm. authors. She's very encouraging. She reads manuscripts. She has so supported Destiny. Above and beyond anything you could one hope of, for. One of Destiny's authors actually started writing romance because she was taking French lessons but accidentally walked into the wrong classroom and it was one of Anne Gracie's How to Write Romance sessions. She got so engrossed and loved it so much that she's just published her first book with wow. her. She's coming to drink. She's yeah. just written a letter from a rake. Ooh, uh, just that's published amazing. It. Yeah, yeah, she so, found herself in the middle of this class and... Apparently, did the whole course. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. And said, if you don't know, she said, I don't know anything about Regency, I'm here by mistake. And she said, well, if you're going to continue to do the course, you've got to start reading it. So she started to read it, continued to do the course, suddenly thought, I could do oh, this. I like this. She's in business, she's in finance, and she's just written her first romance novel. That's amazing. That's yeah. so cool. And that's all for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview I did with Sarah and Carol, and I want to thank them for their time and sitting down with me and answering all of my nosy questions. 
The music that you're listening to, if you've already recognized it, yep, this is the Pete Bog Fairies. This song is called Yup, and I will have all the information about where you can buy this song and all the other excellent Pete Bog Fairy music that you can possibly desire on the website when this podcast goes up. Intermix would like you to know about My Cowboy Heart, which is a hot new romance about life on a ranch by Z.A. Maxfield. This is a contemporary romance between a ranch foreman and the new ranch hand from a well-established voice in male romance. J-Bar foreman Hefe Malloy pretty much keeps to himself, slinking around the edges of ranch life like an old coyote, doing his job and staying private. That is until Crispin Carrasco shows up. Lean, muscular, and a motor mouth that won't quit, Crispin sparks something in Hefe, something the foreman didn't know was there. But how does a lone coyote approach the warmth of a fire? And more important, what would happen if that fire burned? You can find My Cowboy Heart wherever ebooks are sold. It came out on August 20th, so it should be available everywhere on the planet, and possibly on the space station by now. I will be in Australia for another two weeks. I'm hoping to interview some additional Australians. There are a lot of them, and they like to talk, and they're all heavily caffeinated, just like me, so that should make for some interesting content. I'm also going to hook up with Jane. We'll do additional podcasts about, well, pretty much whatever we want because it's our podcast and we like to talk about romance novels. So if you were expecting conversations or things about romance novels, you are so totally going to be happy. In the meantime, wherever you are in the world and however you say things like aluminum or aluminium, however you speak and whatever you're saying, I hope you're enjoying the very best of reading. <laughs>